Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Barefoot Church. Thanks for joining us on a special day. It's beautiful and bright here, and it is hot, I think, all over the nation right now. Uh, I've heard from Kansas on the wheat harvest in the fields. It's great and abundant. It's beautiful. Uh, I've received some pictures and have some friends there who've been busy harvesting, and the, the wheat is beautiful this year. Um, just the day after the 4th of July, an interesting setting. Um, I want to talk a little bit about one of Paul's writings. And Paul, uh, you know, very educated. Uh, uh, he, uh, he had a citizenship in three different nations, and he used that. Uh, highly educated, very well trained in the temple, in, in, the, in the scripture, in the Bible. And Paul's job was to find out where the Christians were hiding and to, to arrest them and uh, have them killed, basically. And so Paul had that background. Now, Paul, through, through some mighty experiences, had a complete change in life. Everybody knew the character of Paul was to do damage to the Christian church. Everybody knew that his nature was to seek out the Christians and to kill them, to have them killed. And something happened, and, and Paul's life changed. Um, he, he suddenly, and I mean suddenly, switched from being one who persecuted, who followed, who sought out Christians to have them killed, to being one who followed Jesus Christ himself. And then Paul began a ministry, and, and a, a ministry of writings. So we want to look at one of the writings today to, to the church at Galatia. Uh, these, are, these are people who are believers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul writes then the book of Galatians. And we'll look at, at uh, chapter 5, um, and, and generally we'll only look at two verses today. And the first is uh, chapter 5, one, one. Chapter 5, verse 1. And Paul writes this. He writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. For freedom Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah. For freedom the Messiah set us free. For freedom... Christ set us free. And I want to look at set us free first. Set us free. In, in the Greek, what Paul is saying is there has been a release. There has been a lifting of burden. There has have, have, there's, uh, been a, a release of shackles. The, the handcuffs, as it were, uh, have been removed. Um, the things that are, are holding you back, the things that are limiting, have been taken away. Set free to be released, to be set free of the shackles and the handcuffs, to be released of the, the bindings, um, the chains, the ropes, to suddenly um, to be set free in deliverance. So part of the, the Messiah, the Christ setting free is to deliver, to deliver, to be delivered from, to be delivered to something else to leave something and to be somewhere else. So Paul um, loads this particular verse uh, for freedom, Christ has set free. So the set free part is, is very interesting because one of the things that Paul writes just in the chapter before this is don't you believers, don't you ones who believe in Jesus, don't you realize that you are the child of God? And then he writes, don't you believers, don't you ones who believe in Jesus, 
don't you realize that you are children of free? Don't you realize as a believer, as one who follows Jesus, don't you realize that you have liberty? Don't you realize that you're free? Don't you realize that you have liberty? Now, the other part of this, of this particular sentence, for freedom, Christ has set you free. The other part, for freedom, freedom. So the Greek word here um, is very interesting. The Greek word freedom has to do with understanding that you are free to do. In other words, you make a choice. You make a choice to do something. Instead of being limited, you make a choice. It also means to choose not to do. In other words, I might choose not to do that. Freedom means I have a choice I can do or I can choose not to do. Nobody, and I mean nobody, but nobody, never, can take that away from you as a believer. I can choose to do, I can choose not to do. That's freedom, that's liberty. Paul continues um, with this understanding of what it is to uh, be free or have freedom. A freedom, um, freedom means that uh, I have free will, I can choose. There are some settings where we are not free as non-believers, that we have to follow the custom. We have to follow the nature of mankind. We have to follow the character that we've been given that determines all of our life. And believe it or not, there are some people who believe that, that it's already determined you, can, you can't change it. That once you've been, so to speak, the die has been poured, you don't change it. That once you have been born, you have a nature, you have a way that you're born into this world, that you're, you're now stuck with it. So put up with it and behave. And that's part of what Paul is fighting against. Your life is not set forth before you. Your, sight, your, your, your life is not meaning to say, like Paul, that you're always going to be a persecutor of the Christians. You're always going to seek out those who are believers of Jesus to kill them. Paul says there's a, there's a possibility of change. There's a possibility of being one nature and one character and being thinking that you're determined and everything is laid out before you and you don't have a choice in it, Paul says, to realizing, ah, there is a choice. Ah, you are free to choose. Ah, you have a free will that you determine to choose or not to choose. You determine to do or to not do. You determine what your relationship with God is going to be you determine how you're going to respond, how you're going to be with other people. You determine, because of your belief in Jesus Christ, the deliverer, the one who sets free, you determine that. Your trust, your belief, your faith in Christ, in Jesus. Now it's interesting because part of this Greek word of freedom um, has some interesting connotations. The first one I've sort of talked about, that is, is called a moral, a moral um, belief or a moral understanding. And the moral understanding says that I have to follow 
uh, other people's commands to me. I have to people to follow what other people think that I should be doing. I have to follow and obey uh, orders. I have to uh, listen to what others expect of me and therefore be a slave to that. I'm a slave to other people. I'm a slave to others, others' expectations. I'm a slave to what I ought to be doing, my obligation to do. And the word freedom means, no, you don't do that. Free will I talked about before, you have free will. You don't have to meet others' expectations. You meet Christ's expectations. You don't have to meet others' orders and commands and ways that you ought to behave obligatory. Instead, you have free will to what God has in mind, what Jesus Christ has in mind for your life. So this whole understanding of moral responsibility or moral expectation, Paul gets rid of. Because in his life, he knew what others expected of him to persecute, to seek out, to kill. And he knows that those people around, he think the same way, that there's, there's one path they have to follow, and it's not after God, it's not after Jesus Christ. It is because of expectations of people, or governments, or religions. And Paul says, nah, nah, nah. It's free will, not someone else's commands, someone else's expectations, someone else's ordinances, someone else's laws. So Paul's very clear on that. And the word freedom in Greek responds to that, speaks to that. So moral is the first one. The second one uh, is one that we call uh, the events or the doings or the ceremony. Part of what Paul was raised with, part of what Paul knew well because he was part of the temple, was he knew the importance of ceremony. He knew that in certain times you had to do this and this and this in this order and for this long or this way, this movement. So sometimes we get stuck thinking that if we do this, this, and this, then we're okay. Then God loves us. I, when I was little, uh, I'm talking about uh, five, four, five, six, I, I uh, had a neighbor who I, I thoroughly enjoyed. She would always have cookies for me. And so I would go back the yard, I would go through the backyard from our house to her house, and there I always knew there were treats available. Always knew that, that I could enjoy, I could enjoy eating whatever she had. And I, I, uh, I found that I, I really, uh, I really uh, trusted this person, I really loved her. And she died. And so I started, uh, in that young age, started talking about her. Her name was uh, Rosemary. And I, I started telling myself that if I, I, I had a little thing that I made for Rosemary out, out in our garden, and it was basically a pile of dirt. But I, I, I thought to myself, if I walk around that pile of dirt saying Rosemary's name, then she wouldn't leave me. And later on, I don't know, age six maybe, um, I had a rabbit, a black rabbit, and we, we raised rabbits. And, and this favorite one of mine, uh, I had a name for, which I can't remember right now, but it was the black rabbit. And so uh, the black rabbit died. And it was, it was a terrific uh, hurt for me. 
my pet, my black rabbit guy. And so now when that little mound of dirt, that's place that I had set aside, I would walk around it five times and I would say Rosemary's name. And so I added to that the black rabbit's name. So Rosemary and the black rabbit, 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 Rosemary and the black rabbit for five times. And that became a ritual for me. That became a ceremony to deal with my own grief, my only, my own loss of Rosemary and the warmth and the trust and the cookies and the black rabbit who I enjoyed playing with, cuddling, feeding, being with, being snuggled by. And those are ways of ceremony of events that we pick up that we think it's important that I do this, this way. Sometimes it's organized in religion. For instance, we know that in the temple, there were certain things that had to be done in order. There were certain things in order to approach God and be worthy because of what I did in certain events and certain actions. There were certain times when you had to bathe a certain way. There were certain times when you had to do certain things and movements and and we can think of that today in much of the work of witchcraft, much of the work of seances and all this stuff. It is following certain things in order that we control God. Got news for you, we don't control God. Got news for you, because we do certain things, we cause God to do certain things. No, it doesn't work that way. Because I see dirt, I, no. Because I say certain words, because I think a certain way, because I do certain actions, because I take part in certain events in a certain way, on a certain day or a certain season. And Paul says, nah, it's not by seasons of the year. It's not by a special day or a special event of the year. That's not how you know Jesus. That's not how you know God. Instead, you know God by accepting Jesus as your Savior recognizing what Christ has done in our life, setting free from all these things, the moral things, the expectations, the laws, from the ceremonial things, thinking I have to dress a certain way or smell a certain way or talk a certain way or be a certain way or do a certain way. All that's gone because Christ has set us free. Now the third area, that's dealt, word, dealt in this word of freedom has to do uh, with our existence, has to do with our life. Being, being a human being, um, we, we have this, we're told that, that uh, it's all useless, um, we're all gonna die anyway. And, and the, the technical word here is mortality or, or um, being, being of the flesh or being, uh, being mortal. And so Paul, part of his teaching is that um, we, we are born, we take our first breath, we take our last breath, we're dead, and that's it. And again, there are many people who believe that today, that the only thing that accounts the only thing that counts are those things that I enjoy doing just for myself pleasure right now. Because when I die, it's gone. It's done. There is no more. So live for the day, drink the most, 
shoot up the most, do the most. Well, one time I was in an interesting meeting. Um, I wasn't the leader, I was one of the participants. And we were given the assignment, if indeed uh, God did not exist, if indeed his son Jesus um, had not been born and, and was not savior, and, and God didn't exist, Jesus didn't exist, if indeed there was no hereafter, there was no heaven, there was no after death, you were dead, there was no after death, you, you just, and in other words, you only lived for this amount of time, here to here, period. There was no before birth, because then you could kill, there was no after, so then you could do anything you wanted to, because there was no concept, there was no, only this period of time, from first breath to last breath, what would you do? What would you do? And strangely, to my ears, there were people in the room who said they wouldn't change anything. It'd still be nice, and it'd still be wonderful, and they'd still go to church, or they'd still sing songs, or it's still, and I'm going, huh. For my, for my input, Immediately what I saw, if God did not exist, if Jesus did not exist, if there was no and there was no, I said I would do everything possible just for my own pleasure. I would rob and steal and kill and murder and maim. I would light fires. I would kick. I would do harm as much as possible. Now when I said that, when I said that, did I get the looks? When I said that, did I get the stares? When I said that, boy, did I get responses. My rationale was, except for Jesus, my life is meaningless. Except for God, my life has no purpose. Except for because of my faith in what Jesus taught and what Jesus provides in setting free, it doesn't make any difference what I do, and I will do exactly what I want, when I want, as I want. Does that sound familiar to anyone? And that part is the mortal part. Because we know that it's not just decay and dying. We know that once you're dead, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. We know that there is life before birth. We know that there is life after death. So the mortal to us is meaningless. The mortality to us says nothing because we know Jesus Christ, our Savior, and what he promises for us in the future, that we will be in God's presence. We will be in the presence of Jesus Christ and all the saints who were before us, praising and seeking and thanksgiving and giving glory in the presence of God. That there is, there is not a terminal death. There's resurrection because of Jesus. Our life, can you imagine living in the world today where we think we have to live in moral terms of what people expect or moral terms of what we're commanded to do or how we're commanded to think or what we're commanded to say or not say. Can you imagine today a life where we are expected to do ceremonial events and things because that's how we control our own future? 
Can you imagine living a life today that's only for our self-gratification because we know there is no beginning and there is no end except for right now? I uh, look at this understanding of freedom and I say, something's, something's amiss. How is it that we see things happening around us? How is it that we know people who speak this way or think this way? How is it that we are commanded to obey and do these things because we are told to? And it's not so. Paul, however, continues with that first verse of Corinthians 5. Again, the first verse was, for freedom, Christ has set us And goes like this. Paul writes, stand firm. In other words, stand up, be strong, uh, know what you're about, take a position, take action, take your stand, and do not back down, do not turn back at all. Keep going forwards, take your stand, be strong, be firm. So Paul says, stand firm. Do not entangle yourselves again. Do not. So Paul says, don't get tangled up again. Don't uh, submit yourself or don't take on these things that you came out of. Don't take on those understandings of that morality. Don't take on those understandings of events and actions. Don't take on this understanding of mortality. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. Jesus Christ has set you free from that. Paul says, stand firm, be strong, be strong-headed, head forth, take a stand. Don't go back. Don't go back to what you were. Don't entangle yourselves with that old thinking, that old way of doing again. And, and again, the understanding here of free will is, that if I'm going along following Jesus and I choose not to, I can get entangled again. Satan would love nothing better, the devil would love nothing better, that you start giving up your faith, you start giving up the trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior. We're constantly tempted to go back, constantly invited to return to the old ways, constantly invited and almost forced in today's culture to give up our belief, to give up our thinking, to give up and change the way we understand the scripture, the way we understand God's calling in our life, the way we understand what Jesus the Christ has done for us. So Paul says, do not entangle yourselves again. And then he continues, don't entangle yourselves, don't give up again to a yoke of slavery to the burden of slavery, to the bondage, the weight, the restraints of slavery. And the word, the word that's used here of slavery actually means slave. It also means the restrictions, the restraints. It means limitations. So Paul is saying, don't put limitations on yourself. Don't put limitations on what you see uh, one of, one of the, the areas here in this Greek is don't be blinded or don't limit your sight. In other words, 
um, don't be blinded to what God has in mind for you. Don't be limited as to what God has set forth and calls you into. Uh, don't be uh, mistaken of Jesus Christ working in your life because he, he has set you free from the restraints, from the restrictions, from the weight of burden, from the yoke, from the yoke of burden, from the yoke of slavery. Jesus Christ has set us free into freedom. Now, there's another place that I, uh, I, want, to, I want to point us to, and it's also in, in Galatians 5. So if, if, if you uh, will bear with me, I've got to find Galatians 5 here. Um, and we'll go to chapter 5, uh, verse 13. And, and, and Paul writes this, again, to the Galatians. Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, believers. Uh, you were called to freedom, sisters and brothers. You were called to freedom, those of you who believe in Jesus the Christ. You were called to freedom. And here's the warning. Only. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. In other words, Paul is saying, yes, Jesus set you free. Yes, you have freedom. Yes, you have free will. Yes, you can choose to do. You can choose to do or to not do. And you know what you've come from. You know what the world is saying. You know what's going on around you. But Paul says, use your freedom as an opportunity not self-indulgence. Use your freedom in a way that doesn't invite you into thinking that you're God, you're important, it's only just now, and you're the only one who counts. Paul says, do not use your freedom as a way of self-indulgence. And then Paul continues, but instead of doing that, instead of using your freedom for self-indulgence, instead of using your freedom, your, your freedom for what you want only, Paul says, through love, become slaves one to another. In other words, the body of Christ, other Christians, other believers, with whom we are yoked, with whom we are joined together, whom we are our same part of the body of Christ, the church, Paul says, through love. Be slaves to one another. In other words, have your burden, have your relationship one to another, other believers, other people who trust Jesus Christ. Then he continues in verse 14. For the whole of law, in other words, all of the laws that were written for the Hebrews, not only the Ten Commandments, not only the Torah written by Moses and others, not only those things written by the rabbis and the scribes, Paul says all those laws, and any laws that we hear, either the moral laws that we talked about or the ceremonial laws we talked about or the death laws we talked about, Paul says all those laws instead are singled out into one. And that one, Paul says, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we know from other teaching and other places in the Bible Jesus tells us specifically, love one another as I have loved you. Paul's writing here comes 
from one of the sayings of Jesus, one of the quotes of Jesus, which is, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's interesting. It comes from three of the Gospels. Matthew 22, 39, same quote, love your neighbor as yourself. Mark 12, 31 says the same, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Luke 10, 27, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The word is, Jesus set you free from all these things of burden and limits and blindedness. Jesus set you free, not just for yourself, but that you can love others. You can love each other. You can love others just as he has loved us. Just as we think of ourselves, think of others around us with the kindness, with the respect, with the gentleness, with the ways of encouraging and being positive and lifting up and edifying to make stronger. Ah, on this day after the fourth, I asked myself, I wonder if the founding fathers used the Bible actually as a basis for the Constitution and the uh, Bill of Rights and the Independence. And when they were planning and talking and discussing and discoursing. And so I, I, did, I did a little bit of background search and the answer is yes. That the Constitution only makes sense in light of the Bible. The Bill of Rights only makes sense understanding the Bible. The Christian understanding. The Christ-centered writings understanding scripture is suddenly makes everything else that we have built as a nation make sense. It is that which God taught us through Jesus Christ, through the writers, Paul and Luke and John, and Moses. It's only that that makes sense in our lives that Jesus has set us free, that our freedom can be used, not as limits and following rules and regulations, but instead as doing good to one another, helping the neighbor, being in love with other people, being in love with the body of Christ, Jesus Christ, serving him in all of our ways, loving God in all of our ways, in all of our doings, in all of our comings and goings, being a healthy body of Christ. Oh, I invite you to uh, consider these things. Galatians 5.1. In Galatians 5.13, and all the writings in between. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, for the experiences together, that, Lord, we're not bound by worldly things, beliefs and traditions, things that we should do or ought to do. Lord, an understanding that death is only, that's it, period over. But, Lord, we see beyond. We see that we have new life and life eternal because of you. Lord, we understand that it's not our way of working. It's your way in our life because we believe in you. We trust you. Lord, it's not all these man-made rules and expectations and requirements. Lord, it's our love of you and your working in our life. You set us free, Lord, that we might be free to worship you we might be free to follow you. We might be free to study your word, the scripture, to gather together for worship and praise and glory as the body of Christ. Let us lift up one another, Lord, as only you can.
Let us be different than the world, Lord, separate from the world. Someone who has hope, someone who has a future in mind because we are in God's hand. Oh, Lord, all these things now we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings. Love you. Travel is good.